Welcome to today's audio podcast from the Church at Bushland. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of the Church at Bushland and would like to enjoy more resources and weekly updates, we hope you will visit our website at thechurchatbushland.com or download our app for both iOS and Android devices by searching for The Church at Bushland. We'd love to know how this ministry is touching your life. Please take a moment to let us know by emailing us at media at thechurchatbushland.com. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so by visiting thechurchatbushland.com slash give. We're good to see each of you this morning. Thank you for joining us online, church. We love you. Thank you for being with us. Um, so I'm excited today. Today, um, today's the day I get to give you the state of the church. Uh, I love the state of the church. I look forward to giving the state of the church uh, because you're a beautiful church. I love you to death, I'm telling you. And God is so good to us. And it's because of you, but it's because of him through you that everything you're gonna see, everything you're gonna hear about, that's, that's the homage today. It goes back to him. We're not here puffing ourselves up. We're not throwing numbers out to exalt ourselves over, uh, over one church or whatever, over anything else. All we're doing is I want you to see as the church how good and faithful our God is because that's what he is. That's all he is. That's all he can be. When we do our part, he does his. Man, he just does it. And so I want you to see all of this. You know, when you talk about numbers, numbers are hard to talk about in a church because you have people say, well, you know, preacher, I'm, I'm just not a number guy. You know, I'm just, you know, I'm just not a number guy. Well, that would be like this officer pulls up behind you on I-40 and he walks up to your window and he says, sir, do you know how fast you were going? Well, officer, I'm just not a number guy. That's not going to go over well. Amen? Hey, you're all of a sudden going to become a real number guy. All right? When you step on those scales, you're like, yeah, I'm a number guy. I'm a number guy. Or you look at your checking account, and you're like, yeah, we, we number. We a number couple now, sweetheart. We, we're going to have to lock down. You know what I mean? We're number people when it's time to be number people. And we're usually number people when it's good number and when it's a bad number, we're like, I'm not a number person. You're like, you were a number person last year. Well, it's different this year, preach. I'm not a number person this year. Numbers are hard to talk about. I grew up in a denomination where numbers, whoo, <laughs> numbers were everything they talked about. Well, hey, preacher, uh, how many of y'all running on Sunday morning? Running? It's not cattle. We're not running the cattle through the chute, okay? How, y'all, how many of y'all got coming to training union? Training union? I mean, it's like all, it's just numbers all the time. How many of y'all got in your choir? I don't know. There's a bunch of people in robes. I don't know how many people up there. They just, they seem good, right? I mean, I love the box in your pew. You check the box in your pew. Uh, Bibles, bro. How many Bibles you got bringing your, I don't know how many people bring their Bibles. I care more about how much of the Bible comes out of my people. Amen. I mean, the numbers, I grew up just numbers, numbers, numbers. And I get that numbers can, can not always tell everything. They can't, but they do tell something. And I think numbers are important for the church to look at. And the reason I believe that is because numbers are important to God. 
Numbers are important to God. I want you to look at Psalm 90, verse 12. The psalmist says, teach us to number our days aright, that we might gain a heart of wisdom. I think a church should see its numbers because it can shed wisdom and give wisdom to what we're doing. It can give insight and direction to what we're doing. Numbers do speak, all right? They're not everything, but they do speak. And I think you have to look at numbers. Psalm 147, verse four. He determines the number of stars and calls them each by name. Mm, That's our God. Listen to me. I'm looking at some stars, and he knows your name. Every number is a person, amen? Every number is a person. There's not one number that's not a person, not one. So numbers are very, very, very important, but they can't be the tail that wags the dog, and we'll look at it in a little bit, okay? You gotta put numbers in its right perspective or it becomes too much because we have churches today, they're all about a metric. They're all about analytics, There's this corporate world of numbers that has swung over into the church world, and we've got some churches that are absolutely driven by analytics and numbers. Dude, they are making staff decisions based on analytics in that that, that person's area. And they'll, they'll cut the throat quick. I mean, like year after year because the numbers aren't producing what they want the numbers to produce. And I'm gonna say something to you. Numbers are important. Metrics are important, but, but there's another side to it, and we're gonna look at it in Scripture in just a little bit. I want you to go to Matthew's Gospel, Matthew chapter 18. Matthew chapter 18. Look at verse 12 when you talk about numbers. Matthew 18, 12. What do you think? If a man owns a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, will he not leave the 99 on a hill and go look for the one that wandered off? And if one finds it, I tell you the truth. He is happier about one sheep than about the 99 who did not wander off. In the same way, your father in heaven is not willing that any of these little ones should be lost. Our God, thankfully, is a number God. He cares about each one of us, and if he cares about us and he cares about the number, then the church that he's established better care about those numbers because every number represents a soul, and Jesus sent his son to die for each of them. That's how much he thinks about a number, okay? So numbers are important, and, I, and, 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 I, and, I, and it's what we use a lot of times as a staff to look at things. I mean, numbers tell us a lot of stories. It tells us about space. It tells me about lives. It tells me about people. It tells me how we're growing. It tells us what we need, how we're doing, that kind of stuff. But it doesn't tell a full story. I know that, okay? I, I came from a denomination that, that only looked at that, okay? Only looked at that. But that's not a good only look at metric, okay? You've got to look at two sides. So what I'm going to show you behind me in just a second is these are the numbers for 21. 
If you're new to our church, you haven't been coming very long, what I do each January, somewhere around the third or fourth week in January, I do what's called the state of the church, uh, the, the, the state of the church. And basically what I do is I open up the, the past year and let you see inside all the different numbers. In a lot of churches, you don't see these numbers. Or you have to be in a group or a, a certain committee or kind of the, the inner circle to really know these numbers. And I believe it's very, very healthy for a church to see these numbers, okay? Uh, I get asked these questions a lot. It's part of some of the stuff that people talk to me about. And I wanna be as transparent as you can and open up the church and let you see inside of it. You're gonna see the health of a church from a number side. Then we're gonna talk about the other side in a little bit, but from a number side, okay? These are the numbers from this past year, uh, 2021. So let's start with new families. New families are gonna be first. I'm gonna try to get out of the way for you guys. All right, new families will be first. Just give it some time. All right, new families. These are families that, are, that have joined our church in, in 2021. We had 24 new families join our church. Let me see this in individuals. This makes up how many individuals? 63 individuals. Here's a little side note to that. Last year, I think there was only 17 families, but there was almost 80 or 85 individuals. So we had some big old families last year join, all right? A little bit smaller families this year, all right? So we had a lot of families, 24 families said, we believe this is where God is leading us as a family to be our church home. And what we do here, we have cards. You can get these from any of the staff. You can get them at Guest Connect. You fill out the card, the information that's on the card for membership, and one of the pastors, we will get in touch with you because we wanna have a conversation with you about how you feel or what, 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 what God did, did in your life, how you came to the church, how you got to know the church, what's your church background, what denomination did you come from? And we, we're gonna ask one simple question. Has there been a time in your life that you've given your life to Christ and been scripturally baptized? That's a very important question for us. And it's not an offensive question. It's a question that says, this church cares for me. This church cares. Because listen, I don't wanna be a part of a church that doesn't ask that question of me. Because listen to me, when it's time to ask me that question, it'll be too late for me to make a decision about that. So I want a church that says, I love you, not as a number, but I love you as an individual that Jesus wants to, that died for and wants a relationship with you. And I wanna know if you have that relationship because it's the most important thing of, 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 for us as a church is that you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And we're gonna ask that question, all right? And so that may be some of you today that are sitting out there and say, man, I already know, I've been coming for years. I've been coming for months. I know this is where, this is the church home for me. I know this is where God wants me, all right? You can go to Guest Connect as a service, grab a card, fill out the information, and some of my guys will get in touch with you. We'll, we'll call you, and we'll just sit down. We'll have coffee, we'll have a lunch, we'll have something, we'll meet with you, and we'll talk about that because we wanna know how we can shepherd and pastor your family because you, as a number, are important to us. Why? Because you're important to him. You're important to him. All right, so those are the new families, new members, 24 families, 63 new members. Uh, next, baptism, I believe, yes, baptism. Total baptisms for 21 is 48. Let's give the new members a hand first. I don't wanna move too fast. Y'all clap for everybody that joined the church in 21. These are baptisms. We do baptisms almost every month. We schedule those out 
Uh, but these are baptisms for the total year, 48 baptisms. A stat we keep a lot, or I like a lot, is the next stat you're gonna see. This is over 18 years, okay? And the reason I like that stat is um, I wanna know how many adults, college students up, who, who, who professing Christ are getting saved in our church and are following the Lord in baptism. It's very difficult for adults to give their lives to Christ in a church. You've gotta have an anointing. You gotta have the Holy Spirit doing that. You gotta move them because, man, they get locked in in their adult years of where they're at, and many people don't, man. They don't, they, they, you don't see that happening. And a church that sees adults saved is a church where God is moving powerfully, okay? And I pray that's always something in our church, okay? Always something in our church. So 48 baptisms, 12 of them over 18. That's a great job, church. I'll give them a hand, all right? Uh, life groups, this is from Tommy. Uh, by the way, Tommy and Lana are now grandparents, if you don't know. Uh, JC had a baby girl yesterday, so JC and Anthony, congratulations. Uh, Tommy and Lana are grandparents now. Kay gave him a hard time, said, now the gray-headed pastor can be a granddad. I'm like, man, you went there? I was like, golly, right? Uh, life groups, there's 16 life groups in our church. All right? we, we love life groups. Basically, the way I describe life groups is, We've got to make the big church small. And that's what life groups do, okay? We're better, every one of us, okay, when we're doing life together right, with people. Scripture says in Proverbs that iron sharpens iron as one man sharpens another. I'm better if I'm rubbing against other guys, man. They make me sharper. They're good for me, all right? And, and ladies are the same way. Couples, I'm going to tell you right now, whew, you're better, as, your marriage will be richer if you can find some couples to rub with. I'm just telling you. You've got to let the word of God and other, script, other people make you sharper, make you better, make you like Jesus, okay? It's very important to do. And so here at the church, we do it through life groups, okay? Uh, 16 life groups. Uh, we want that number to grow. So by the way, so if you do something or you have a hobby outside of church, maybe you ride motorcycles or shoot guns or blow things up. If you've got about 12 guys that like to blow stuff up, then we'll have a blow you up kind of Life group, right? That's cool, man. Just say, what do y'all life group do? We just blow stuff up. That's great. Because I want you to get together, blow some stuff up, and then let's get in the word and let that word blow us up, all right? Let's let it do something in us that only supernaturally can happen by the Holy Spirit of God. And so if you want to blow stuff up kind of youth group, I mean, a life group, help yourself. Tell Tommy, I got a life group, about 11 guys. What do y'all do? We blow stuff up. Cool. We might need to call that in Potter County, Randall County Sheriff, to let them know where y'all meet, but that's okay. We'll let, them, we'll let them know that, all right? So we want that number to grow. I mean, if you've got a group that meets, put Bible with it, man, put the word with it, and we'll make a life group out of that. I don't care what shape or size. I told the first church, if you got a group of guys that want to meet and have ribeyes, let's just make a life group out of it, but you better invite your pastor because I'm a ribeye kind of guy, all right? So life groups, this is a total people in life groups in our church at 21 295 people in life groups, okay? That's a really good number, but we want that number to continue to grow. Tommy and I are talking about it all the time, about making that number grow, branching out more life groups, touching more people, uh, putting them in Amarillo, putting them in Canyon, putting them in Vega, putting them in Wilderada, put them anywhere we want to. If we got a cluster of people that wanna meet together as a life group, we'll make them right there, all right? Uh, what we're trying to do is make church small, relational, 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 okay? And life groups help us do that, okay? 295 people in life groups, 
Give life groups a big hand, all right? I have to keep going back to my cheat sheet. So this is Wednesday nights. People ask me all the time, hey, pastor, what goes on on Wednesday nights at the church? Good question. Here's your answer, all right? These are, this is what's happening at the campus on Wednesday nights. Uh, preschoolers first. Preschools, 74. This is an average. All these numbers you're going to see are averages. This is 74 preschoolers that Melissa Huffman and EJ or Emily Janelle have back there with them. And those two and that team they've got do a tremendous job with preschoolers, okay? So if you really are bored on Wednesday nights, you go, man, I'm just bored. You go there for an hour and a half and you're not bored anymore. I promise you, all right? 74 preschoolers will get all the boredom out of your system, okay? All right, so wanna brag on that, 74 preschoolers. Look at children or kids. This is Katie and her team with Hannah, 73. That's first grade through fourth grade, 73 of them, all right? And what's beautiful about that, we've just started a rotation, and I'm telling you, that thing has been a dream. It's been wonderful. I love it. It, it, the rotation on Wednesday night that we put them under works really beautiful. If you're in that or part of that, you know what I'm talking about, all right? So 73 in the kids' area. Let's look at preteen. This is fifth and sixth. That's pretty cool. It's fifth and sixth, and the average 56. So you can tell them they don't have to be their grade on their average, okay? So fifth and sixth, we have a team of adults and some college kids that do the fifth and sixth ministry, and they do a tremendous job with the preteen. And I love them. I love what they're doing in there. They're solid. Uh, I mean, I just love everything about that preteen. They're doing a great job. And look at students. Student ministry on Wednesday night, 94 that meet. They're over in the student building. That's 7th through 12th grade. And let me just segue this for a little bit. One of the desires and needs for us in 22 is we have got to, got to, got to hire a youth pastor. We've got to hire a student pastor. That is big time on my heart. It keeps me up at night a lot. It gets me up early for prayer. Kate and I talk about that. I said the first service, Kate and I talk about that more than we talk about our wives. I mean, we talk about it all the time. And I mean, we love our wives. Don't, let, don't, don't read into that, okay? Just don't read into that. So what I'm saying is right now, and I don't know why. I, I, don't, I, I can't explain this. There are currently about three or four churches locally here that don't have a youth pastor. We're one of them. And I'm gonna tell you, finding a youth pastor is hard right now. A lot of churches saying the same thing. So here's what I'm gonna tell you. We need help. You know someone? I know someone that knows someone? Please see me. Please. And I mean a good one. I mean a rock star, a good one. We need a good student pastor, okay? That's a key deal, man. I did 18, minutes, 18 years of student ministry. Tommy did it, student ministry. Paxson did student ministry. Kay did student ministry. Listen, on our staff, student ministry is a big deal. And we're, we're hurting right there. We need it. We've got some great interns that have done a rock star job up to this point. But, but the clock is ticking on all of our interns. They're not gonna be here long term. We've used them for a little bit. They've given us everything they got. We love them to death. But, but we need to hire a full-time youth pastor, and if you know somebody or know someone that knows somebody, holler at me, because uh, we, we, we need a little help on that, okay? We need a little help, all right? So let me uh, give the Wednesday night team a big old round of applause, too. Someone asked me, uh, I get asked a lot, why, don't, why is there anything on campus for adults on Wednesday night? 
I'm like, 295, all right? That's how many kids on average are on this campus. There's nowhere to put you. He said, what about that inn down there by the preschools? It's kind of dead down there. Well, now we serve pizza down there. You can go down if you want to, okay? It could be dangerous to your number on your scale, but you can go down there. But, but, but listen, it's not always quiet down there either. As you can tell, there's 74 preschoolers in that area. There's just nowhere to put adults. That's why we do life groups, okay, on, on Wednesday nights and Sunday nights and other nights of the week because on campus, we don't have the room to put them right now. We would if we had the room. We don't have the room. It's all occupied by preschoolers through 12th grade, and we love that about them, all right? So let's get to money side or the giving side of the church. A lot of people like this area a lot. So this is total giving units, uh, for 21, 356 total given units. By the way, last year, there was 341 given units. I believe that is correct, uh, 341. So we're up in given units. And let me say this, I said this in the first service, that is one of the numbers that is so precious to me. I want to know as a senior pastor, how many giving units are, are, are supporting the ministry of the church? How many people have skin in the game? How many people are involved in the giving team here at the church? I don't want, never wanted to be a church that had three or four people driving the financial arm of the church. That's not good. It's not healthy. It's not good for your pastor, and it's not good for the church, all right? And some of you know exactly what I mean because you amen, but you said amen under your breath because you didn't want nobody to hear you, and I get that, okay? But listen to me. It's not good. What you want is volume in your giving team. You want your giving units to continue to grow. You want people to engage in giving. You want people to be a part of that. And I love that number of 356. That means more to me than anything in the world because that's 356 individuals or families who are got skin in the game, who are part of the giving team, who are invested invested in the work that God is doing here at the church. And I pray that number just continues to go sky high. All right? I would love to get to 400 next year. That'd be pretty incredible. All right? So here's the next number. This is giving last year. This is just your tithe and giving. Uh, 1456693 Give yourself a hand for that. That's what you gave in 21. This is just to meet the budget. This is the budget number, all right? Our budget was 1411 and some change. I don't remember the rest. But so we, we put our financial budget, our budget for the new year, we set our budget every year on 50 weeks. Many churches set on 52. We try to do it in 50, all right? We don't count the last two weeks of December at all. Uh, it's hard. Uh, it, it's, it, it's, it's hard to get. So we like to do 50 weeks. It stretches the church. It does, but how many of you know that stretching's not fun, but it's good for you, amen, all right? Touching your toe is really hard sometimes, but when you get down there, it's very rewarding, okay? Now you just gotta figure out who you can call to get yourself back up, all right? But giving is good, it stretches us. 50 weeks is hard to do, it stretches a church. So 1411 was our budget last year. I'll go ahead and tip my hand to you. It's 1512 this year. So you say, well, preacher, we ain't gonna make it. Nope, we'll make it with you, all right? We'll make it with you, and we'll make it with God. We're gonna have more people join that giving, and you watch what God does, all right? So 1512 is this year's budget. Uh, this is what you gave last year. So let's look at one more that you love. Uh, this is Manger, I get this question a lot. 
preacher, tell them how much is manger offering. Y'all start asking how much is manger offering like the Sunday after we do manger offering, all right? I'm like, we ain't, we ain't all come in yet. I don't know, I don't know, I don't know yet. So we take it up on one Sunday. You remember that Sunday we all come by and we give, all right? That particular Sunday, that just that Sunday alone was 166, I believe, thousand that gave that just that, that came in just that Sunday. That throughout the rest of December, even the candlelight services, we received manger offering money. This is the total for manger offering 275.90. Right, I want you to give yourself a hand. That's a great manger offering, by the way. <laughs> a couple of more slides. Uh, one more. This is total giving for last year. $1,727,283. That's the budgeted number for tithing offering money and the manger together, okay? We don't, we, like I said, manger's not a part of making budget, okay? Manger was just a standalone for what God has for us next. So that's the total giving. Uh, that's what you did as a church, but that's what God did through you, okay? And so I want you to give the whole giving for 21 a big hand, all right? Now, I know that some of you are like, preacher, I can't believe you went this whole way and you haven't done a colored graft. Some of you are like a big time graft guys. I get that, or ladies. I don't wanna leave you disappointed at church, so let me give you a five-year colored graft, all right? Let's see that, all right? I, don't, I want you to go to lunch happy, all right? There's just some colors. I know we only use two, but there's some colors. And there's your graft. This is a five-year graph on giving and manger for the church, okay? And you can see the different, you can see how we did throughout the year. What's interesting is the manger offering this year was lower than the one in 2020, all right? But the overall giving was much higher, all right? And much higher. And people say, well, anybody's is higher in 2020. Let me say something to you. We had a great 2020, I'd sign up for it again as a senior pastor. Y'all are a great church. I tell people, I got a tough church, boy. Woo, my church tough, all right? We had a really good 2020, even though it was really tough on a lot of people in this country, all right? But we had a good 2020. Had a great 21, all right? There's your numbers over the last five years. We had a new year, and then we always drop one. There's the growth. There's the numbers. If you're into that, you need a chart, kind of helps you. Take a picture of that. You can drool over that at, at, at lunch or whatever, all right? But that is you, that's you teamed up with God to make that happen. So one more time, give all those numbers a big hand. Again, nothing short of you teaming up with God. You and, you and God, we and God make a great team. If you're not a part of that giving team or giving units, man, jump in on that. That's a lot of fun. There's nothing like being a part of it and then getting to see it. All right, and getting to see it. So I want you to go to your Bible as we wrap up. John chapter four. John chapter four. Look at verse 21. John chapter four, verse 21. Jesus declared, believe me, woman, a time is coming when you will either worship me I worship the Father, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know, but we worship what we do know. For salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and is now come when the true worshipers, if you wanna say the true church, will worship me in spirit 
and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. Look at verses 25 and 26. And the woman said, I know that Messiah called the Christ. He is coming, and when he comes, he will explain everything to us. And then I love verse 26 because books tell words, but movies show expressions. This would have been a great expression. Then Jesus declared, I who speak to you am he. Man, that's powerful. When God put on my heart mm, to go pastor, I knew what God had put on my heart to go pastor. When the opportunity came for this church, for me to come and be the pastor here, my whole desire in coming was I wanted to establish and birth a spirit word church. I knew, I knew, I knew the kind of church, the kind of worshipers that God would be welcomed at and he wanted to be a part of. Well, I wanted to have a church and I wanted to fill it full of people and families. When God walked into the church, he would smile and have a seat. And he said, here's the description of the church's that I'm gonna be comfortable at. I want a church that worships me in spirit, but in truth. I want a church that has the Holy Spirit power running through it, but has the word of God as its anchor and what it builds its life on. And I want the little church and the big church to be that. And I'm gonna tell you, it's not easy today to balance the two because there's a number side, but there's a spirit and the word side. And you can't be way over here and you can't be way over there. You must have balanced. And balancing those two, that's not easy. It's not easy at all. And I have a lot of coffees over that, okay? Because there's a lot of times that you can't just see everything that God is doing by looking at a, a metric or analytic of a church. There's a spirit word side of it as well. See, this can be health. Let me read some things that can be health at a church. Sometimes this is seen as health or called health at a church. Numbers can be. Money can be. Parking lot stuffed can be. Attendance can be. Programs, bunch of programs can be. Large events can be. Every one of those can be health. We, you say, preacher, we, we do some of those. Yes. But not every place that does these is healthy in God's eyes. And I want you to see what God calls health, what God calls real health. Instead of numbers, he's more concerned about his presence. Instead of money, God says, what about my atmosphere? Am I the air in the atmosphere? Am I in there? Instead of parking lot of crowd, maybe anointing. Maybe the anointing. Maybe the parking lot's full, but there's no anointing. Maybe there's big attendance, but there's no life and there's no energy. Maybe there's a lot of programs, but the church is not relational. Jesus said, every star I put in the sky, I know by name, church, Every person that walks in your door, they have a name that is precious to me, right? 
I want you to meet them relationally like I met the woman at the well. They didn't come to your church by accident. They came by purpose, by purpose, God, and that's my name. And so I trusted your church with that name, that individual that I made in my image. So when I bring a family or an individual to your church, I am trusting you, church, to represent me according to John chapter four. And I want you to bring them in to a spirit church, a spirit word church. I want them to be met with me and met with the atmosphere and the anointing and the presence of God. And I want you to relationally get to know them. Instead of large events can be held, yes, nothing wrong with them, but, but how many people are being made new at large events? Hey, man, I'd blow the top off large events. I'd have thousands on this property, but I'd also set that baptistry open over it inside and said, anybody that gives their life to Christ, man, we're going to dunk you right here. We're going to be about what Jesus is about. Jesus is about it. We're going to be about it. I'm not saying that these over here on the left side is not health. It can be health, all right? But it doesn't necessarily mean it's healthy. You gotta have left and right. There has to be balance between the two. Do large events, but Betty, see how many people get saved, baptized, locked in, who become part of the church, who become disciples that are sent out from the church, all right? Large events can be one gauge, but made new is a whole nother thing. I never forget, uh, been years, uh, the little house was still sitting there and we changed insurance companies. I've told this story before. And, and I was walking the guy around about our insurance for our property. And we left the little house and we didn't even have that little uh, kick out for the coffee yet. And we just had these exterior doors and we walked into the worship center and it's just he and I walking and I'm talking and he's beside me and I keep talking because that's what a pastor does. You know, like, I know you're killing my lunch, but I'm almost done. Right, so, so I'm talking to him and we're talking and I keep talking and all of a sudden it just goes quiet. I don't hear anything. And I turn around and that dude's back there doing this. Guy's eyes closed, tears running down his cheeks. I was like, whoo. This Oklahoma boy, he just got met with something. I went back to him. I said, hey, man, you good? He said, man, whoo. He said, there's a presence in this house. There's a presence. This was like a Tuesday. I was like, yeah, there is, man. I didn't know anything about him. I didn't even hardly know him. Drove over from Oklahoma. Walked in. Just stopped him in his tracks, man. That's what the anointing and the presence of God do. Even when you're not having church, he's still the atmosphere. Paxton walked in the other day, and I was back in the corner. He said, you just, you just kind of hanging out back there, aren't you? I said, yes, I am. Because there's a presence in the house. That's a, that he, he, he doesn't leave when we leave. That makes sense? He leaves with us but he waits for us to go to the back. Listen, Jesus said the church that I'm looking for is the church that has spirit and word. I'll produce a number out of that because life does produce things. You'll have numbers. You'll have metrics and you'll have analytics if you need them. But more importantly, don't chase the tail, chase the dog. 
chase me. Because when I show up, all that other stuff comes with me. But if you have all that other stuff and I don't show up, shouldn't have had it. Shouldn't have had it. I'll end with this. It's in Young Bloods Tuesday. A couple of pastors here in town came up to me. We were talking. He said, I hear your church is doing well. I said, yes, sir, the church is doing good, real good. I said, you guys good? Y'all, y'all doing good? And one of the pastors said this. He said, yeah, it's just hard right now, so we as a church, we've, in leadership, we decided to pull back. Okay, I have a pretty good poker face. I don't know what my face said, but when I, as a senior pastor, hear another senior pastor leading a church say, we've pulled back, oh my gosh, I'm like, so they leave, Stephanie pours me a little coffee, I put a little sugar and stir it, and I'm like, what in the hell did he just say? What did he say? You can't pull back as a church. The church today has got to go out there, man. There are people dying for hope and peace and encouragement and love and hug. I mean, there's people putting their stock and barrel in everything but Jesus, and it's all failing them. And I'm telling you, there is nothing more important right now than the church of Jesus Christ. There's nothing more than the resurrected body of Christ out there in that darkness turning people to Jesus. That's what it is, amen? And that's the kind of church Jesus wants. He says, man, when it gets tough, don't you pull back. Greater is he that is in you than he's in the world. Man, you go. You say, what's scary? It's unknown. We don't know what 22 holds. Listen, I, I don't know what 22 holds. The elders and I have talked about it. We don't know what 22 holds. But we know this. We know who holds it. And we know who we are. And you don't pull back. You don't ever take the light out of the darkness and expect to change darkness. Never. You push that light through, man. And if it costs you everything, man, you push it. You push it. So here's what I'm asking for you as a church. 22 is going to be a, hard, a great, great year. It can be hard at times. We don't know. But it's going to be a great year for the church. All right? God's got great things ahead for us. We are not pulling back. We're not surviving. We're thriving. Okay? We don't know what all God has for us, but our eyes are wide open to that. All right? You have been faithful. God is faithful. When God is ready, he green lights us, we're gonna go. Whether it's a property, whether it's adding on here, whatever the case may be, we're gonna be ready. And when God says, we go, we go. But here's what I'm asking you to do. 22, we're gonna start next week talking about give us a year. Here's what I'm asking for my church. I want you as an individual and a family to give God the best you've got in 22. I want you to give the church everything you've got. You say, well, pastor, up to this point, I've kind of been half and half, me and my family. When it's convenient, when it's easy, we make it. I, I want you to make the effort to come every time and give me everything you've got. And I promise you at candlelight, if you're not thrilled to death by the results, what God did in you and through the church in 22, I'll give you money back, I promise. I'll refund the whole thing, all right? But I'm telling you right now, God will rock your world. He gave you everything he had, never held back. He gave you the best, the best. Today, he's still giving you the best. May you say thank you to him by giving him everything you've got. 
Give the church everything you've got, the best you've got, not the leftovers, but everything you've got. And I can promise you, you give him that, he'll rock your world, man. He'll rock your life, he'll rock your marriage, he'll rock your family. And then when some family at work and some guy at work or some lady at work says, hey, dude, what the heck happened in your life? He said, I just decided to give God everything he gave me, everything. He gave me everything he had. I gave him everything I have in 22, and he changed my life forever. They're going to buy in on that. You're the best, the best advertisement for the church is a changed life and a person made new. We're not pulling back, pushing ahead. I want you to give God, give the church the best you got, the best. Imagine you stand, church. As the worship team comes, if you're on the ministry team, if you come up, you say, Pastor, I love what God's doing here. And I say, well, I love it too. I want you to look deep inside of you as a couple, as an individual, as a family. And I want you to commit to giving Jesus, give the church everything he's for, the best you've got in 22. I'm gonna, do the, I'm gonna give him the best, man. I'm gonna sell out. He sold out for me, I'm gonna sell out for him. Every area that he, that in the word, every area, I'm gonna give him the best I've got. We'll look at those in the coming weeks, all right? But I want you to commit yourself. God's been faithful. I showed you his faithfulness. Some of you are like, I, I, I'm, I'm a part of every bit of that. Then keep being a part of every bit of that. Be even more a part of that. You say, well, I'm kind of a part of that, Pastor. Get involved in every bit of that, man. Because when you are part of it, you just cheer different, dude. You just give different. You just serve different, worship different. So let him come alive, all right? He did everything for you. Give it back to him. Sell out to him. Say, I'm gonna give him the best. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, said what you needed to say. You spoke our name as if we're the only name in the house. God, we praise you for everything that you have done. But we wait with expectancy on what you're going to do ahead. We know you got great things for us. And individually, God, we're committing that we'll give you our best in 22. We're not going to give you the leftovers anymore. The church and you, God, deserve the best the best of my kids, the best of my, the best of my marriage, the best of everything we are. So God, I pray that you will raise up a church. God, that says we're all in for the church and God and everything he has for us. So God, right now, you speak, you move us, you change us as we worship God. And if we need to come to the altar as a family, just bow down and say, we're committing ourselves right here, the altar of God to give everything we've got to God this year, to the church, everything. So God, we thank you. We love you. We praise you for everything in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. As we worship, if you need to come, you come, church. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast from the church at Bushland. We exist to help people know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. We hope you will stay connected by following the ministry on Facebook and Instagram by using the Church at Bushland and on Twitter by using at TCA Bushland.